stay determined, dedicated, and disciplined. Believe in you, trust your instincts, use your platform to aspire as much as possible, and don't ever shy away from who you are. Hello and welcome back to Short Story Long. I hope everybody enjoyed last week's episode. We broke the record again for the biggest number of downloads in one single day with Big Black. Uh, I got a lot of good feedback on that episode. Even a lot of my friends reached out on that one saying that they enjoyed hearing a different side of his story. And it's just so cool to me how he's able to tell the story in such a funny way, even when he's not talking about funny things. He's able to flip it in sort of a funny way, and that's just a gift of his. So I hope you guys enjoyed that. I hope um, you learned some new information. I hope you got inspired. I hope all of that. Also, we've officially went platinum over here at Short Story Long. We've officially hit 1 million downloads. So thank you guys. Thank you guys. Thank you guys. That was a huge benchmark for me. When I first started this thing, I wanted to at least do it for a year. And my goal was to get to a million downloads. And so we hit it. And we hit it sooner than a year. And I'm not stopping after a year, so don't worry. But a million downloads, that is huge. So please continue to uh, subscribe, share, tell your friends, leave feedback, all the above. We're going to go way further. We're going to go a million downloads a day next. Um, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Promo code SSL on on uh, on youngandreckless.com gets you 50% off your order. Some people wrote me last week saying that the promo code wasn't working or, or they, they were having issues. I, I will say, I, I should have said this before, but it only works on if you're buying a normal full-priced item. So if you're buying something that's already on discount or we're doing 25% off on jeans or something like that and you try to add another 50% on top of that, it won't work because that's where I'm essentially just giving stuff away for free and I'm losing money. So... Full-priced items only. 50% off. Use the promo code SSL, youngandreckless.com. Thank you guys for the support on that. Thank you for using that code. Thanks for checking it out. This week, I'm talking to Karan Butler. I didn't know Karan Butler before this episode. I had seen him in passing, maybe met him before, but didn't really know him. But he, had, he put out a book about a year or so ago called Tough Juice. And I, I saw that it was getting a lot of good press and a lot of good feedback and a lot of fellow athletes were posting about it and um, and so obviously it caught my attention and Karan if you don't know Karan Karan was in the NBA for a long time played for a lot of different teams has an incredible story uh, rough childhood made it through was in jail at 13 14 I mean I'll let him tell you but this is a great story and this is something where I saw the story in a book and I reached out and he came in and did the podcast and shared it with me and that is what this is all about and that was a dream come true and I liked being able to sit down and talk to him and he's just an incredible guy I mean how positive he is and the way just even sitting and talking to him and getting to know him the way that he's navigated this crazy world and where he came from and how solid and level-headed and focused he is and also being known for one of the toughest guys in basketball and one of the realest guys in basketball is pretty insane to me. He's just an incredible balance of human being um, that you can just feel by being around him. So I think you guys will really enjoy this episode. I enjoyed it. Here we go. Short story long. Karam Butler. The hardest part is figuring out what you want to master. Focus on your product. Can you tell somebody that they 
you gotta just go for this it. This is exactly what I wanna do for a living. You can't even tell somebody that their breath stinks. You know what I mean? It could take your whole life and then you find your worth. The product is number one. If it's scared you, you should probably do good it. Good content is good content. That is the coolest shit I have ever seen in my life. All right, here we go. Short story long. Let me just say this as my little intro. I started this to tell stories. And today's guest knows how to tell, ha- has an incredible story and knows how to tell it. And I'm really excited to get into this one. Karam Butler, welcome to Short Story Long. Thanks for having me on, bro. Absolutely, man. Um, so what I always do is I start from the very beginning. Um, we're both Midwest, Midwest babies, uh, Wisconsin, right? Yep. Um, what was childhood like in Wisconsin for you? It was... Uh relatively uh different mm-hmm. you know to say the least um being a a male raised by women mm-hmm. strong women um my grandmother being the matriarch and the patriarch of the family um my mom being a single parent yeah and you know her sisters you know um Amy Tina Kathy Clarice and you know obviously the males in our family my close uncles uh, my mom brothers, her two brothers, Richard and Carlos, who was incarcerated off and on yep. throughout the duration of my childhood. So I always saw women just working like assembly line jobs and different things like that. And, you know, this this out there getting it, you know, doing, you know, a lot of manual labor mm-hmm. at uh, factories like, you know, Case, Syncorator, Modines, working on assembly lines in the foundry. Um, getting must have up. given you an interesting perspective on women. Yeah, it's it's... I just I saw them be superheroes. Yeah. You know, like, you know, growing up watching Mork and Mindy and Wonder Woman and things like that and yeah. then seeing my reality of, you know, my, my superheroes being the women in my life. Yeah. You know? Do you feel like that's caused like um has that stuck with you for your whole life? The way that you see women and treat women and you know what I mean? Just how strong they are, and yeah. how, you know that's something that stuck with you. Ab- absolutely, yeah. You know, um, and just being a father of four girls, and mm-hmm. damn, um, you have four girls. Yeah, four girls, man. Jesus, uh, just women, everything. Yeah, right women, everything, <laughs> man. My lovely wife, Andrea. Um, you know, my oldest, Camry, who's twenty-two now. Uh, Mia, twelve years old, and uh, Ava and Gia, six and five. So, just it's. I, I look at women totally different yeah. after my childhood and my experiences and just seeing what, uh, you know, the special women in my life had to overcome. Yeah, yeah. And you started getting into some trouble, right, at a young age? Yeah. In Wisconsin. What part of Wisconsin? Uh, Racine. Got it. Um, what happened? I mean, you feel like you just, there's just so much bad shit going on there and you were just kind of like, you know, how'd that go, I, I guess? I think it's pretty much... Uh, you know what you exposed to. Yeah, I think you are what you exposed to, and you know um, the resources was limited. Mm-hmm. And you know, like I said, the women in our life was always working. So, you know, population eighty thousand in between uh, Milwaukee and Chicago, just north of Chicago, just south of Milwaukee, and um, the things that I seen, you know, uh, every time, you know, from the second I jumped off the porch on Howe Street, mm-hmm. you know, you saw a lot of adversity. You saw pimps. You saw. You know, you saw drug dealers. You saw a lot of you know criminal activity on a daily. It was it was consistent, you know, mm-hmm. relatively consistent. And um, 
that's what I was exposed to. That's what I wanted to be like. That's what I wanted to do. That's what, you know, I was turned on by. Yep. You know what I mean? And, you know, a lot of people grew up and saw people, you know, with the with the suits and the ties and things like that. I saw something that I wanted to aspire to be one day was, you know, the the kingpin in the neighborhood. Yeah. You know, I wanted a 9-8 with rims and vogues and, you know, with the gold grill, with the wavy top. And, you know, that's, that's just what I wanted. Yep. And, you know, so I try to take – shortcuts to get there yeah was the main thing dealing drugs yeah i mean drugs fighting weed guns i mean Everything. whatever you know it was just whatever the hustle was at the time yeah and then you started getting into trouble early like would you start getting caught and getting arrested and shit at a super young age or was that like 14 15 no nah, it was before that i started like the first time i had my encounter with, with the police i think i was maybe 11 and a half 12 years old you know, I was always kind of bigger than everybody else, yeah. so I didn't look my age. Yeah, I stood out a little bit more. But um, you know, I always was on the block, or you know, at crap games, or um, you know, once I had a paper out and you know, start selling drugs and stuff. You know, I used to always be in the neighborhoods, you know, drug infested neighborhoods where yeah. the jump out boys they come through in a rap van or anything like that. And the rap van is just like uh, when the police come through, like every. 90 minutes, they may uh -huh. jump out on you just to clear clear the crowds and stuff like that to make sure everybody disperse off the blocks. And, you know, a lot of times, you know, they would just snatch us up and, you know, put us in the holding cells for 23 hours or something, let us go. So I was experiencing that a lot, you know, at a young age. Man. And you weren't playing any sports at the time? No, I, I mean, I didn't, I, I didn't love any sport. Yep. You know, like just messing around. I, yeah, being a neighborhood kid, you know, you played everything. You yeah. know, you played football in the streets, you know, run to the Buick, catch the ball, you yeah, know, yeah, you yeah. you know, you did everything, but you know, I I wasn't passionate about it. So I was, there was passionate no, about the hustle. Yeah. So that's like there was no piece of you that felt like sports might be a thing. It was like I'm gonna be the, the king of this shit. Yeah, I mean I mean when you when you turn on WGN and you see Michael Jordan, yeah, that's a I mean, that's a great thing to see. Obviously, the greatest player of all time, but I, I I didn't think Jordan came from a neighborhood. I thought he was manufactured yeah. in a factory somewhere. Yeah, and yeah, it, yeah. it just happened, and they but he still might have been. You know what I mean? Still yeah, yeah, yeah. It's still you know he was a special <laughs> talent, but I didn't I didn't think that was realistic. Yeah. to be on that platform doing what he was doing. Yeah, and that's the cool thing about like your book, and you know, obviously we'll get to that, but like is telling that story. I feel like in those days also it was much harder to even see or have access to the real stories, you know, before social media and before all that different stuff. So I just feel like you do a really good job at letting it be known that you did come from that and that this is possible. I think that's such an important thing. It's just knowing what's possible. It's so valuable. Absolutely. You know, it's like if people only see the the absolute top of the top being running your neighborhood, that's what you're going to shoot for. But if you just see that it's possible to do so many other things, it's like, I don't know, that's such a valuable, that's why I do this, you know, it's such a valuable thing. I really do think that you are what you're exposed to. Yeah. And I think the more you're exposed to, the more that you feel like you're capable of doing just about anything. Yep. I'm a strong believer in seeing is believing. 100%. What, when, was the big, um, when was the big turning point for you where you were like, this is not what I want to do? That was at a pretty young age too, right? It, I, I think it was a, a whole bunch of, events that led to the ultimate change in my life. Uh, you know, seeing people uh, shot, murdered, being at crime scenes, um, 
you know, being serving serving drugs to to a car, you know, putting your arm in a car and somebody try to pull off with you. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Things like that. Um, losing close friends, you know, just, you know, not even 30 minutes before they leave your house, they walk up the street, they murder, mm-hmm. things like that, and going to the funerals and um, getting incarcerated for a long extended period of time and getting back out and just not being familiar with the people in your neighborhood no more because that's how the turnover was. Mm-hmm. I think it, and, and, and the voices and the people that really cared about me, you know, the women that I mentioned in, in my life and the, the letters coming from my uncles, Uncle Richard, Uncle Carlos, and, and Corrections. I think everything that started to, you know, hit me all at once. Uh-huh. You know, I had to come to a realization with myself that, you know, when I was incarcerated, when I was in the hole, I, I was like, man, you know, either I'm going to continue to sell drugs and I know the outcome of that. Uh-huh. Like, I'm definitely going to get life in penitentiary. I'm going to have to kill somebody yeah. or somebody going to kill me because I got it. You know, because I always had a unique way of seeing both sides of the situation. Mm-hmm. A lot of people just look one way. Like, I ain't going to jail. I'm not looking at it like that. But I used to always look at it yeah, both ways. Like you knew it was coming. I knew it was coming. Yeah. Because I experienced it. A lot of people didn't see the the, the, the cause and effect part. Yeah. But I used to always, you know, see it. What was the longest time you did in, in prison or in jail? Uh, 16 months. Jesus. And you said you were in the hole, and yeah, I I did two weeks in the hole, and at what know, age? I was shit. I was fourteen and a half, fifteen. That is insane. Yeah. So just it's being just locked a, down twenty three hours a day, and yeah. like you know, it, it it was it was it was different. Yep. It definitely was different. So you feel like it just kind of added up, like just enough things, and knowing what was coming, and knowing that this isn't what you wanted to do. It just started to add up to you, where you're like, I have to. Was it like this, I have to figure something else out? Or was that when basketball kind of came into your life simultaneously? Or like, you know what I mean? Like when was the actual handoff of like, okay, this is what I'm going to start to put some effort into? When I, when I got out, after that long bid and I got out, I said, I, I've tried everything negative. Mm-hmm. And it, <laughs> it obviously didn't work. Mm-hmm. So I'm, I'm going to put all my efforts, all my energy into just doing positive. Yeah. And was that just positive in general? Yeah, just whatever it is. Po- whatever it is, yep. whether it's working a 9 to 5, going to school, um, you know. And I and I and I had like a lot of things that happened in that process because I had a reputation that I I earned. I earned it. Yep. You know, I wasn't being picked on, I earned it. Yep. And, you know, police, you know, patting me down, you know, periodically at school it was embarrassing but at the same time you know it was warranted because of my reputation yep. so like I just tried to do everything positive and it ended up paying off in the long run but you know I'm, I'm glad I chose that route yeah because I definitely wouldn't be sitting here doing this interview with no you. way and yeah. so early like I just feel like when that bad shit happens right friends get killed you go to jail cops are coming and fucking with you you know whatever it is a lot of people double down on the negative because they take that negative and it makes them even more negative. So you fight it, right? As opposed to knowing to back out of it, I think is such a big thing. And to do that at such a young age is huge. Well, I, I think majority of the time, and I'm pretty sure a lot of people can attest to this, but a lot of people go to jail to be, you know, when when you do go to jail, you don't try to go to jail, but when you do go to jail, you're willing to sacrifice some time because you know it may happen. Mm-hmm. But you go to jail to be a smarter criminal. 
Mm-hmm. You know, you Absolutely. learn better ways and different shortcuts and different avenues and different connections and stuff like that. Yeah. And and you know, when I was incarcerated in them sales and hearing the conversations and stuff like that, I respected it. But I was like, <laughs> so basically, your ass gonna be back here in. Yeah. With a bigger charge. Yeah. yeah. With a you know, All right, so you got indicted last time. Now you're going to have a supersede indictment. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, you're going to have a fed case, fed case instead of a, a state case this time. Like, I was thinking like that. Yeah. And I was just like, damn, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm six foot four or five at the time. I'm like, shit, let me try this basketball thing. Yeah. You know, I'm playing for canteen and snacks and stuff like that. And that's where it all started, right? So it all, in- that's when it got heavy. That's when it got heavy. That's pretty crazy too. Yeah. Just I mean, because wasn't isn't there a story in your book about like seeing the basketball court there? Yeah. And that was kind of like what started to register it in your mind of like maybe this is something. Hooping all the time for canteen to get against uh, different cottages and stuff like that, you know, and you know it'll be Draper versus Lapham, and yeah. we you know we'll play against that cottage. They unshackle us. We go head to head. That's crazy. And we win the games, and that's how like the love and the competitive drive to start happening. You know, like no files, no none. We just rocking. Yeah. You know. Were you good right away? Like, did you feel something right away? I, I, I was from the neighborhood, so I was good at football. I was good at basketball. Yep. Hands down. You know, growing up in the rec centers and stuff like that. Free yep. lunch every morning, in the summers. You yep. know, we we lived in the gym. Yeah. You know, we lived on the playground. And then so so from that moment you just started cranking, right? So so anything positive? Did you go get a job? Yeah, I I, I worked at Burger King. Um, I was on the bracelet when I first got out, so I worked on I worked at Burger King and mm-hmm. I did that. I, 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 Is the bra- bracelets like house arrest? Yeah. Yeah. So it gave me like ten hours a day, eight mm-hmm. hours to do my work. Yeah. Um, gave me an hour before work and an hour after, so Got I had it. like an hour to get home at, after my job after my shift was over. And were you doing any basketball like practicing stuff then, or or was it still kind of half? I guess what I'm trying to wrap my head around is like. When did it catch where you're like, this is what, like, this is what I'm going to put my soul into? Uh, was it later? It was. So I tell you this. So like, when I get out, and I'm working, and um, I'm doing the whole thing, and I'm playing high school ball too, and I'm gonna tell you when it like it is really like, all right, shit, I gotta, I gotta do this basketball thing. Mm-hmm. And I'm, I'm, I'm trying, I'm doing, I'm doing everything I can to stay out of trouble, obviously. And it's a drug raid at the house. I'm not in the game no more. I'm not doing anything. I'm chilling. I've been out for about six months, uh-huh. five months. It's a drug raid at my house. They come in. They hit the house. They find nothing in the house. Found a little bit over an ounce, an ounce of some change in, in the garage. Yeah. And um, it's an open garage. A lot of people got access to it. Um, ATF, you know, handcuffed me. And uh, the guy who I mentioned in my book, who I'm very close friends with now, um, uh, Detective Geller, mm-hmm. Rick Geller, um, he let me go. You know, he was like, you know, this, you know, we got, we got, we got everything we need. ATF had everything. Like we got drugs, we got somebody in the house. Yeah. And how long would that have been for you? Would that have been like ten to fifteen? Yeah. Easy. easy. Jesus. And they said we got everything. He said I don't think it's his. And why, why, what was his reason for that? Did he tell you later? He said when when he when he searched the house, the description of the informant mm-hmm. didn't match 
you. me as the seller. Yep. And not only that, he saw that I had burn marks on my hand at the time from working at Burger King because uh-huh. I was working on the boiler steamer at the time. Yep. And he was just like, as a detective, I was just like, this kid can't be yeah. pushing work right now. It just didn't add up. That's insane. And that's how – and from that moment on, I, I dived into the basketball thing. So I started playing on a traveling AAU team mm-hmm. where I was I was always gone from racing. Like So I was never, like, really there no more. Yeah. Because I always was traveling, you know, different states, cities, whatever, just showcasing my talent through yeah. Nike. Yeah. And did you start to see then, like – you know, I guess then my, the next thing I'm trying to figure out is like, when did you start to realize you had a gift? You were different than everyone else just trying to play basketball. We went to a we went to a showcase. Uh, it was in uh, Indiana. Mm-hmm. Um, played at the University of Purdue, and um, Darius Miles was, was the consistent like number one player consensus yep. worldwide. So play against him and. I just, you know, I dominated. Yeah. And the whole tournament, I averaged like 35 and 20 or something. It was crazy. And I got the MVP of the tournament, and I was just – they was like, yo, he's coming out of high school. He's the number one pick. Yeah. Was, from that second <laughs> on, I was like, well, where the fuck – like, what <laughs> What does that make me? Like, yeah. you know what I mean? So that was, yeah. my, that was my edge and my attitude from there. And that's – it was like the best van ride back from Indiana because yeah. – the coaches, everybody in the car was like, you going to the NBA. You going to make it. All the Nike people was there. All the Everybody was there, and they saw you. Like, you couldn't have did it at a better time. Yeah. You know what I mean? And Man. it was it was that like a life-changing moment, for real. And then, because then you went to college from there, right? Well, I had I had to go to prep school for two years because the city, the city is a little different, unified. They wouldn't allow me to continue to – go to school because I missed a lot of my eligibility from being incarcerated. Got it. So I had to go to prep school and, and what's, get my how's credits. prep school work exactly? It's it's a little like different. A pre, in between high school and college? Yeah, thing? pretty much. And where it, you can and go it, get your core classes back. And were you 18 then? Was it like after senior year of high school time frame? Yeah, time okay. frame wise, I would have, they wouldn't let me do my senior year. Okay. For whatever reason, I don't know. But I had to go out of state and do it. Got it. Yeah. Got it. And then where'd you end up? Did you get a full scholarship? Full scholarship, University of Connecticut. Got it. Um, Was that move hard on you at all? Growing up in such a small area that's like so, you know, I imagine it's pretty like, even though there's a lot of bad shit, it's still very tight knit, very like, you know, you're. Everybody know everybody. Yeah. Like, so was moving to to college and doing that tough or did you like it or? I'm going to tell you, like, prep school was extremely tough. Yeah. Because, like, you know, it's 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 tough for me because I grew up around none but people that look like me. Mm-hmm. You know, and then I go to the uh, Maine, Maine Central Institute <laughs> yeah. in Bangor, Maine. I'm talking it's about as white as it gets. Yeah, it's as white <laughs> as it gets. So like, it's 12 black dudes on the team, all black team. Yeah, and I think the population of you know, black African Americans in the state of Maine went up just off our About basketball 12, team. Yeah. Total you know what I mean? 13. Yeah, There's we like was the twelve in the state. Yeah. You know, what I mean? so it was different. Yeah. And you know, I've never been around that, but it was like the best experience ever. I had a family, uh, a Caucasian family, that like adopted me, the Baker family, and took care of me. They adopted a guy, uh, Sam Cassell, as well, uh-huh. like years prior. 
Catino Mobley, they had him as well. So like There's something something in there. Yeah, water was, at that yeah, house. number pros, <laughs> man. They they knew. I was like, yeah, I got the right family. Yeah, but like it was. They sat down at dinner and taught me things, and I seen things that family do that I'd never done growing up. Yeah, you know stuff that I only seen in movies. And when you're living with a family like that, like do they um, they try to teach you stuff, life lessons, and this Always. is what we do, and this is one. The the mother was a nurse, and uh, the father was a a, a doctor, and uh-huh. and they, they just loved. They just love hosting kids, yeah. you know, like exposing them to different things. Yeah. And uh, Max Good was the coach, and he said, "I want you with this family. Got They're it. a great family. They they know how to treat people, and you're gonna learn a lot of lessons from." Them. And they turn out superstars. You See got what drafted happened? to the Baker yeah, family. Yeah, man, the Baker family. <laughs> yeah, so if you're in Maine going to MCI, go to Baker family. Yeah, try to get in. Man. You got the, a bright the wait future. It's like eight <laughs> years now. <laughs> um, so, but then, so then, do you feel like you kind of got over the hump and you fit? You you got used to it to that connect to to life there and to to college life and it was just kind of it wasn't an ongoing issue right? no no it was a transition but it wasn't like once I you know got out there and got the going it was cool and then you know it made college a lot easier yeah it was bigger obviously and more expectations but I I, I met my I met my wife to be at the time but I, w- I met my wife in uh, this college. program you know oh. at college yeah. you know a cap program you know uh pre-summer classes and stuff like that to get us prepared for the courses. Yep. And that's when I met my wife. We became friends. And, you know, that made college so much easier because I had somebody, like I had a companion, I had yeah. somebody to ride with me and yeah. do the little things with me and, you know, this past time. But yeah, that's a game changer. Especially I would think, like, being raised by women and loving women so much in that regard, not in the other sense. Having a strong companion, well, you know what I'm saying? Like, I feel like that's important. I feel like a lot of people, even for me sometimes, like I had a really good, strong family. And sometimes I've been out here and it's felt a little like you're out on an island by yourself because you don't have that support system that for you real. always had, right? And I feel like that's such a crucial thing. And the fact that you found that early is pretty incredible I thought that was the game changer for me at Connecticut because obviously it's a family atmosphere and coach Calhoun everything you know the brothers come back from Ray Allen to Donnell Marshall and everything but I think just finding her early yeah as a friend and then us taking it to the next level you know a year later and then her end up being my fiance and now my wife you know it was just it was just like it was great that we met early on yeah and she helped me a lot yeah, no, that's huge. Um, so then college, as far as performance in college, did, did you have trouble in school in college? Or how did you, how were grades and how was actual college? I, I mean, I was good with, with, with classes and everything because it, I, never had a, I never had a real problem um, doing work. Yeah. You know what I mean? It was just getting me there. Yep, yep. <laughs> getting me in class to stay yep. there and – not answering the page to leave to run the streets. Yeah, you know, yeah, that yeah. was the thing. Once I got there, I, I was good. Like, yeah. you know, it was cool. And you didn't have those distractions at college, really, right? I was, you know, just my wife. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> she missed it. Um, no, she didn't. She never does. Yeah, she uh, got me watching General Hospital. That's good. It went from running the streets to General Hospital. Yeah, it Not, went from running the streets to General Hospital. That's a good trade. Sunny and. All of them. <laughs> um, so then you go. So college, you killed it at college too, right? I mean, so you're just continuing to 
have this sort of reassurance that you have a real future in this shit, right? Yeah, I did. When when I when I felt like really good was I came I came to college really heavy, I came to college like too. Yeah, like too, too yeah, big. I'm too too big. Like I was like two seventy, right? Yeah. So like, damn, two seventy. I was huge, man. Like Jesus. just to make, I'm I'm two I'm two twenty five right now. So like I was two seventy then. That's crazy. And I came there at that weight, and I was just like, man, I can't. You know, I'm a five four man right now because mm-hmm. of my weight. And then I I cut down all the weight, and I get down to like two thirty three, and. Jesus. I'm out there playing in the Big East because I missed my first couple games because of suspensions. Uh-huh. And then I get out there in Hawaii and I, I scored 20 points my first game. Yep. And I'm like, oh, I'm going to the league. Yeah. That, just from that second, because I didn't yeah. know what the competition was and look like because I, I, I fight against these guys in practice every day. And sometimes, you know, the competitive nature just go away because yeah. guys just tired of beating up on each other. Yep. So I didn't I couldn't gauge where I was at. Yep. But once I got on that stage and played against some fresh competition, oh yeah, I knew what it was. That's I was like, dope. I got a future. That's so dope. Yeah. I just can't like that feeling has to be incredible. Just when it's on, I would say there's no greater uh, sports in general. I would say there's no greater like dream of like, you're gonna make it, you're gonna make it, like you're, you're going to the draft, right? And like going to the draft, how did that, are you just sitting there just waiting to see what number, where you're gonna go? I mean, that has to be insane. Cause you don't know, like the, the, only, the only people know is usually like the number top three picks. They know they going top three. But they don't know where they're going, right? Don't know where they're going. Okay. And sometimes you may get now, you know, because of social media and things like that, you may yeah. get teams to commit to you. Yeah. And you kind of just know where you're going. But, you know, everything from two, three, four, like everything down is just, it's hit or miss. And did they tell you they thought you'd be high or it was just kind of like good luck? They said you, you should, should be a lottery pick. Yeah. So you're sitting there just having no, you don't know. I felt like that, though. I felt confident. You know, I'm, you know I go into the NCAAs and, you know, I, shit, I averaged 30 points. Yeah. You know, just, I'm like <laughs> – like, I'm, the, I, I'm, like, I'm the best player in basketball <laughs> yeah. right now. Like that's is that how you felt? Yeah, of course. Like that. every time I stepped out there, I was just like, "You got to." I'm the best player in basketball. Yeah, and you know the people chanting, and, you know, Jailbird, and all. I'm like, "Oh yeah, yeah, I got. I'm about to turn up. Like I gotta, I gotta oh, do what amazing. I gotta do." Yeah, so it was a good feeling. Like I love that stage, and it, it was just fun, man. Yeah, god damn it. So then you <laughs> went. Uh, you were tenth. Yeah, tenth pick. pick Miami Miami Heat. Yeah, Pat Riley. So when they call your name 10th pick, I mean, are you just like, yes. I just, I broke down. Miami. I broke down, man. I broke down, I broke down at the table and started crying because, you know, we never thought that it'd happen. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Like, it's one of those, like, you know, in your head, like, I'm going to the NBA, but then there's the yeah, other side of you that's I like, go. it's too good to be true it, almost. Exactly. Yeah. I was just like, it don't, it don't happen because look at all the things that, we had to go through, and then I've never seen someone come from this situation in this environment like that. At least it wasn't advertised or talked about, mm-hmm. and it happened. It, it like it. I was like, damn, like yeah. this, like going up on the stage. It was just, it was just crazy. It was just like, damn, the commissioner David Stern right here. Like, yeah. it's, I'm about to put this hat on. 
You know? That feeling, man, I just can't. That has to be so overwhelming. All was your family there? So, yeah, a lot. They and bu- wife was there, obviously. Drove down. They drove down deep. <sighs> Everybody drove. What do you do after? What do you do right when you get off the stage? You just go back to your table and like, what the hell? Well, you know, we I, we cried and, you know, my, my, my lawyer, my agent, we prayed and, you know, um, took our pictures and introduced us and Spike Lee in the back, take pictures with him, like just <laughs> yeah. going through all type of stuff. It was yeah. just like a whirlwind. And then, you know, you had to let everybody in your family know that, like, just, all right, I just got drafted, but they didn't give me a million dollars right now yet either. How's that work? <laughs> like, what's the like, – What's the – is there like an entry – so I'm really bad at uh, – really uneducated on basketball stuff, right? But what's the like entry contract? Yeah, you. so with me, I was the 10th pick, so I was I was probably at, what, I think, like 4.8. Four, four I was like 4.8 million or something like that at the time. But so, that had to seem like a billion dollars at the time. Oh, yeah, that was everything. I mean, that's like, holy cow, that was, where everyone's getting a house. Yeah. Er- two cars each. Everybody. Man. But like I had a different mindset because I come from different. Yeah. You know what I mean? So, like, I value money a little differently and already had two kids. Yep. You know what I'm saying? So, I was just thinking about, you know, getting them situated, making sure they were straight. Yeah. And then, um, you know, obviously I knew that this would be my wife. Yeah. You know, we was uh, engaged at the time. So, I wanted to start building our family and getting things together. But, you know, that's that's something that a lot of athletes have to deal with. Yeah. You know, on the fly. And it's no – it's no uh, – no course or no, no class you could take for that. It's just something you got to learn from trial and error, and you got to be a man about the situation. It is. There should be a class. Literally, like right after the draft, you should have to sign up for the class that tells you how not to blow your money. Yeah, seriously. It's hard, though, man. I mean, even when I – I remember when I first started making money, I feel like I'm pretty grounded and all that stuff. But, like, I've spent a lot of money on stupid shit because it's just that Ohio, like, I'm going to – let's. I want to buy a Lamborghini. Because I, I always wanted one. I, I never uh, thought I would be yeah, able to like have I, one. It's my job to buy this because I never thought I would have one. Trust me. And I'm, you don't need I'm it. Still go through it's it. Waste of money. Yep. <laughs> um, so, so the actual, then logistically, so then, okay, so you go, you know you're going to the heat, which is incredible. Are you, when you're sitting there, are you worried? I always wonder this. Are you worried that you'll just get traded to like a really shitty city? See, this the thing. Like, <laughs> I'm so naive and feel so good about myself. I'm jaded. Mm-hmm. I, I didn't. I didn't even realize you can get traded. And, you know, I uh-huh. think, I'm like, yo, I'm we in Miami forever. Like, this. Got it. We here. Got it. You know, I didn't learn the business of basketball until I, I was traded yeah. for Shaquille O'Neal. Yeah. Me and Lamar Odom came to the Lakers for Shaquille O'Neal, and I was like, well, how the hell that happened? Yeah, <laughs> like, what the hell? You know Where'd what you mean? go from there? Uh, so I went from Miami well, you know what? Sorry, to, sorry. To, let me, to the Lakers. Let me Let me back it up because I don't want to skip this part of the story, because this I really want to know, is like when you actually – so you get drafted. You know that you have the $4.8 million coming. You, how long until you pack your shit up and go to Miami for the first time? Uh, next morning. Is that quick? They had a private plane ready for us. We took off the, the, the next morning, right? Jesus. Yeah, so we take off. We go to Miami. Uh, was Pat, Pat Riley was with us on the plane? It was my mom first time flying, my brother first time flying. First time flying, everyone was on a private jet with yeah. Pat Riley? Yeah. <laughs> with everything catered for us. We land, limos everywhere, cameras. I'm like. I just love that it goes from showing up to the draft. It, 
subconsciously thinking you might not get drafted, yeah. right? Meaning like, you know, the fear's in there. To the next morning on a private jet with Pat Riley to Miami of all places. It was crazy. So then limos, photographer, you're just like, what was your real mentality at that time? Were you like overwhelmed? Were you like, yes, I'm built, this is the life I was made for? Or what's, how did you really feel? I was still, I, I felt like I was, I felt like I was top two, three players in that draft. So I, I was still in my head, like, I was enjoying everything, but I still was just like, I'm gonna show these motherfuckers. Like, yeah. that's all I kept thinking in my head. Like, I wasn't really, I was enjoying it, but I just couldn't wait to get on the basketball court. Yeah. More than anything. Yep. Um, and then once you got there and played, I guess another key moment that I'm just curious about is like, the moment you step onto the court for the first ever NBA game. Was that a moment of like, what the hell is going on here? Or were you just so tunnel vision, like I'm gonna show them? Well, my my, my, my vet, uh, Eddie Jordan, mm -hmm. I would say, uh, you know, uh, not Eddie Jordan, Eddie Jones, I'm sorry. Eddie Jones and Brian Grant, I always do that. Uh -huh. Eddie Jones and Brian Grant, they was, uh, they was like, Yo, remember this moment, man, remember this moment yeah. and everything. And we in the locker room, I'm just so excited, like I'm, Sweating, I'm can't wait to go out there. I'm like, man, I'm gonna do this dunk. I'm gonna do this. Like, I'm yeah. just like, I'm in the warm up, and I'm going like so hard. Uh -huh. Like, I'm running, <laughs> and I'm throwing my whole rim, like my arm through the rim, and just yep. dunking as hard. They like, calm down, young fella. <laughs> and I'm just like, man, I'm so excited. Like, I'm just geeked up. And I think we playing the Orlando Magic at in Miami, and the ball come off the rim. I think it was my first two points of my career. And I got a tip dunk, and it was just like, it ah. was it was crazy. The crowd, it was it was just like perfect time and perfect everything. And I was just like, I right, I arrived. I'm I'm in the NBA, and I'm I'm doing some amazing things. I cannot imagine. Special I just feeling, man. Just, it was a special man. feeling. I always say too. I think the two best feelings in the world would be. Uh, to have a hit song and be on a, uh, on stage in a stadium and have everyone singing the words to your song back to you. That's crazy. And also to dunk on another six foot <laughs> ten grown man in front of a stadium full of people. That has to be the best feeling in the world. Man, I I, I got Yao Ming, man, in Houston. You dunked on Yao Ming. Ooh. Jesus Christ. Ooh. <laughs> I felt so good about that, that one. That has to be the best feeling in I the world. I felt so man. good about that one. Jesus. Um, yeah. Okay. So to the, then back to the traded story, right? So then all of a sudden you get traded. And sorry, where did you say you went to again after that? Came to Lakers. Lakers. Okay. Well, so at least you went from Miami to LA. Yeah. Hey, I, I, see, I had something in my contract that said I got to be in all great cities. Uh, the climate yeah. can't drop under sixty. No shit. <laughs> so think awesome. about it. In, in all the cities I played in, I've been to Miami, LA twice, Washington, Dallas. Yep. Back to California. Yeah. And then I had some cold experiences. And I also went to Phoenix. So, like, I had some. So, Washington was the coldest. Yeah, and that was nothing. That was nothing. Yeah. You know what I mean? I just can't. Like, I feel. I'm trying to think of a bad city, and I actually shouldn't say it anyway because I don't want to shit on anyone's city. But I just feel <laughs> bad for people who are, like, having a good go at it, right? Maybe you're in Miami or whatever, and then you just get traded somewhere terrible. And you're just like, oh, like, this is not. You know what I mean? Like, life is just kind of shitty. It's just like, shit. What are you showing me? Okay, sorry, Bernie's pulling up a. Oh, is that the dunk? Get him, yow. <laughs> How? Oh, damn. That was at Washington? Yeah, man. Oh, shit. I was, we're just watching a video of uh, Karan dunking on Yao Ming. 
Oh, don't do, don't do, don't, don't get him. <laughs> don't get Hall of Famer, my guy. Oh, man. Um, <laughs> any particular, like, was there any injuries or anything like that that, that got you or that stick out to you or, or any, any moments of, like? I had a few. I had a few and I I had I I broke my hand two three three times four times I'd had um, f- fragments chipped in my wrist and labrum tears shoulder pop out uh, I had five knee surgeries you know what I mean like did you ever have that moment where you're like this this could be it. Yeah, uh, I had I had one moment where I was in contract negotiations, and I go out on New Year's Day in um, Milwaukee, and I'm just I'm, I'm balling. I'm having a hell of a season with the Dallas Mavericks, and I blow my patella tendon, mm-hmm. and that was just like the biggest blow ever. Cause I was like, which one is that? Yeah, my right knee. Got it. My kneecap dropped somewhere like where my calf at. Oh. <laughs> and I was like. So you knew instantly like this. I was like, I, like, what the hell is the kneecap doing over oh, here? Oh, man. Knee and, injuries just get me for some reason. It just seems like the worst thing ever. And Dirk is looking like, what the fuck? Like, and I'm like, man, you know, I got like two, 300 people there at the game because I bust so many people down to Milwaukee. It's a home game. Yeah. And, um. You know, I just, you know, found a way to, you know, get up on my own will and walk off the court. But that was just like devastating, man, because we was we was rolling at the time and you know, that was the title run year and everything. So it was it it was crazy. But I was I was able to, you know, get back and, you know, still, you know, get back to myself. So that yeah. was a blessing. Yeah, that just has to be. I just can't imagine like that feeling in that moment of like, shit, this could be the one. You're laying on the floor of a fucking, you know, what I mean, of an arena, and you're like, just this could be it. Yeah. Um, any other moments other than the Yao Ming dunk, which I fucking love. If you guys just, everyone listening, please just do yourself a favor. Google, <laughs> uh, uh, Karan Butler. Dunk. What would you search? Karan dunks on Yao Ming. Jesus. I would give any amount of money in the world to be able to search drama dunks on Yao Ming and a video pop up. Uh, Search that and watch it. Was there any other big moments that stick out to you of like just surreal? Like, was there any Kobe moments or any? See, people, people gotta understand, right? I, I challenge. Like, I got like some of the all-time greats teammates. Mm-hmm. I got like one of the best rosters ever. Like, so check this out. I got Kobe Bryant, Dwayne Wade, Eddie Jones, Gilbert Arenas, Antoine Jameson. Jason Kidd, Chris Paul, Blake Griffin, Dirk, Russell Westbrook, DeAndre Jordan, Kevin Durant, Giannis Oladipo, Eric Bledsoe, Jamal Crawford, Demarcus Cousins, Rajon Rondo. Five all-star teams. Check this. <laughs> Yo, and I'm missing people. Lamar Odom. Yeah. I'm like I'm missing a lot of names right now just because I'm going on the fly. But those are the guys that I play with. Like that's the brotherhood that we performed over the I performed over the years with, and it's it's crazy. It's it's a special group of young men, man. So like it's they brought the best out of me, and 
you know, I took something with me for the rest of my life, yep. and I'm pretty sure they took something with them for the rest of their life from yeah. me as well. Yeah, I just can't imagine. It's, it's sports to me are just the ultimate like it's it's the honed in like i said too about the the dream come true but it's also the honed in of like anything competitive right even entrepreneurship or starting a company or day-to-day life or even dealing with girls right it's all sort of this competitive sort of lessons and how to play the game right a lot of life lessons through yeah and sports is just all microscopic right into that moment and you learn so many good lessons i feel like that are just life lessons real talk from these people um speaking of that kobe like kobe i learned so much from him i'm gonna tell you because coming from miami i learned how to be consistent with hard work yeah you know but when i came out here kobe obviously the the best player of our generation and you know the closest thing to Michael Jordan we've seen. Mm-hmm. He took me under his wing. You know he he showed me the importance of being consistent, how to be consistent, what it takes to be consistent, uh, mentality, um, how to channel that. You know because I was always mad. I wanted to show people what I you know what they thought I couldn't do. But he showed me how to channel that and still show people what you know proved out is wrong and things like that. Mm-hmm. So. That experience coming here and just picking up all those traits and their skill sets and then taking that to Washington and for the rest of my career, I was able to be all-stars and, you know, win a championship and be on elite teams and, you know, build my value. But I owe so much of that to just being up under him for that time. You know, I learned a lot about how to take care of your body, you know, the do's and don'ts of the NBA and how to market yourself, how to do certain things. he taught me without even knowing he was teaching me. Yeah. You know, so uh, until this day, he's still a brother. Like, I call him, I ask him anything, he's going to do it. He wrote the forward on the book, you know, and, and I look forward to doing business with him in, in the near future. You know, he's a great friend. Yeah. It's amazing. It's amazing somebody that have that much of an impact, not only on sports, but on the people around him. You know, I feel like a lot of players talk about that and just the way he, some people say he's an asshole or he's a dick or whatever, but, like, it just seems like the way he sort of, puts what he's learned onto people on purpose or not and motivates the whole team. Like, that's just such a gift. Yeah, I mean, if you want to be great at something, you, you got to be different. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, yep. you got to be different, and he he's different in all aspects, and that's why he's Kobe Bryant. That's yep. why he's the black mama. That's why he, you know, his legacy is unmatched, and he's probably arguably the greatest Laker and even – mentioned in the same breath as Michael Jordan at times because he took that mentality night in and night out, you know, and special, man. Yeah. Special. Is Michael Jordan the greatest ever? Hands down. I I, I would say Michael Jordan's the GOAT. Yeah. Yeah, just the way killed it from a mentality, aerial assault, the, you know, a guard playing at that position um, in those times and the competition level and, and who he had to go through every time and never losing in the finals, you know, yep, and, yep. you know, all those things, like, you name it, you know, Jordan did it. I yeah. mean, he was a damn pro star. Yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah. Um, any, because I, once again, I just want this for my own, uh, like, any biggest moment on the court, like I said, other than the Yao Ming thing, is there any one moment that sticks out in your head of like at a championship or any just surreal 
moment that happened where you're like, man, this is that was an incredible experience, or My, is it a bunch of them? I had I had a bunch, but the moment that like people always be like, well, it had to be your first All Star game or you know your All NBA or your championship, and the moment that stick out to me, we was on the back end of a back to back. I'm with the Miami Heat. We play in Memphis. Mm-hmm. We get in at, I want to say like 3 in the morning, 2.33. My wife is going to get induced. Mm-hmm. And um, we go to the hospital. She's pregnant with my daughter, Mia. She's in labor for hours. Mia comes out a little bit before what, 3 o'clock? 1.58. So it's before 3. And I... um. I'm like, can, we got a game against Chicago Bulls. It's like a huge game. So I'm like, can I can I play? <laughs> she was like, you That's can amazing. go. So I go. It's like you're a kid going to play yeah, basketball. Yeah, I'm like, can though. I do it? Because <laughs> yeah. I didn't want to, like, keep pressure. I'm no, like, I'm supposed yeah. to stay here. I'm a dad. Like, yeah. you know, it's a special moment. But I was just like, I'm so, like, I'm ready. Like, I need to let this energy out. So yeah. I'm like, can I? She's like, go. Y'all better win, too. Yeah. Man, I go out, put on the demonstration, man. I really? you know, had like 30 points, 12 rebounds, uh-huh. seven assists, just filled up the stat sheet, and we got the win. And um, it was just a special moment. I Like, I remember that like it was yesterday. I like every bucket, you know, the foul shots, the just everything, man. It was just like it was special, and it was right on time. And that's like one of the biggest games of my career. Like, I had 40-point games and stuff like that, but that was just like a – yeah, all everything all at once. Yeah, yeah, I'm running on fumes. I had like two hours of sleep, and it, it was just it was just special, man. It was a special day, special night. And to be able to c- come from where you came from, the life you used, the path you started to go down, then to go down this whole other path, be in the NBA, do so well, and keep such a like, it just blows my mind how grounded and level-headed you are. You know what I mean? And just how like the best moment is – when your daughter was born with your wife who you met in college and were with ever since. And like, that's just pretty incredible to not, you know, get sidetracked or have any issues or whatever it was that drives you to be such a solid human being is pretty incredible. The humble don't stumble, man. man. Like I got, I got humbled early, you know, and I, I learned a lot from those experiences. Yeah. Getting humbled early. See a lot of, what happens a lot of time is that, you know, guys get drafted and you, you're making millions of dollars and you got a circle full of people that say yes a lot. And they're never going to tell you honest things. Yep. And when when you're humble after that, it's, it's, it's so hard to bounce back from yeah. because you may be broke. Yeah. Your circle may have to change. and yeah. all, It's just a different type of beast that you're going to have to deal with. Mm-hmm. And I was fortunate enough, I mean, to go through what I went through early so when – I got all these blessings from generations of prayer. I was able to, you know, handle it the right way. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Can you tell me the uh, locker room Gilbert Arenas gun story? That was just that was in the book, right? Mm-hmm. That was just something that was fascinating to me because, uh, am I correct in thinking that this situation went down and everyone left and you were the only one who stayed? It was still people around. Um, a lot of people ran. Uh, but at the same time, you know, I I I was you know familiar with Gilbert, obviously. Yeah. And Javars was you know a good friend of mine as well because you know he came back and done some uh, charitable work for me back in Racine. Uh huh. And it was just one of those situations in which you know I 
I didn't want to see either of those guys in a bad situation. And, you know, I try to help, you know, Javaris, you know, calm down, and which he did. And he yeah. had a – they were just fighting about something, right? Well, the, 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 the whole incident, you know, stemmed from, you know, a bad car game, uh, you know, a night before. So it wasn't even a basketball thing? No, nah, nothing to do with basketball. Yeah. So, it, you know, it was a car game going wrong and, you know, some money being, you know, taken away and, you know, an individual feeling bullied mm-hmm. and slided out the situation. Mm-hmm. And the next morning it carried over to our locker room mm-hmm. in which, you know, guns was – part of the mix and you know the rest is history Mm -hmm. it just gets me because I think like to be able to be the one that's sort of there talking people down in a situation where they where nobody else necessarily was I mean was anyone else trying to do it or was it mainly you saying let's diffuse this yeah because I, I, I think it was mainly me because because of just I felt I felt comfortable talking to both of those guys. I think everybody else was so scared in that moment. And would you feel like you maybe weren't as scared of the gun issue oh, because you had been I, around? Oh, you was. I, <laughs> I ain't no damn superhero. I was, I was scared, man. I didn't have no vest or nothing. I, I was extremely like scared of the situation, but I didn't think it had went too far where it yep. was no coming back from. Yeah, you know what I mean. Yeah, like if if it was that, I probably would have been. Ran some damn where too and took mm-hmm. cover, but it wasn't that. It wasn't because I know Gilbert's a jokester. Mm-hmm. You know he cracks jokes as you if you follow him on Instagram or any social media site right now he's cracking a joke. Yeah, yeah. you know that's what he do. He have fun and you know he made a ton of money and he's living a great life and he just like he's a kidder. He he lo- he loves to have fun. Yeah. Whereas with uh, Javaris, you know you don't know what he was going through at the time and then you know for someone to feel punked. Yeah. Or Backed into a corner. Uh, yeah, That's yeah. the bad thing. Yeah. Yeah. It was just like one of those situations, and I, I personally know Javaris in a different way. Yeah. You know, because you know, in locker rooms, a lot of guys don't talk or conversate, but he was one that would conversate to me a lot. And like I said, he came back to Racine and did a charitable event for me, so I got closer to him off that event, and I was just like, man, he a good dude. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. Do a lot of people ask you for advice and input? You seem like a pretty like yeah. sturdy guy that a lot of people would call and be like, "Yo, what do I do here?" Yeah, I, I mean, <laughs> I talk to everybody. I yeah. just I just flew from San Francisco, uh, San Fran, uh, Tuesday, uh, talking to D Wade, uh, KD, Russ. I mean, I, I talk to everybody. Yeah, like, just I just give them my. my yeah, you just I'm, seem like you'd be a good friend to have, I'm, like especially if you're yeah, in the, the one league. Thing, the one thing you can't do is be. 36 or 37 in this game you know like Mm -hmm. I experienced things you know that you know younger guys ain't went through yet probably will never go through or at some point will go through and I'm I've I've done it already so it's good to ask someone that actually been through your future yeah Yeah. (laughs) you know what I mean done it right what what do you think what do you think is going to happen if I do this what you like and I'm gonna give you an honest answer because like I'm not under an umbrella where I'm censored. Yep. I, you know, I've done well with my money. I've done well with business. Like I'm, I'm, I'm good. So like, yeah, I don't need none from you, but I want to see you succeed. Yeah. What's next? What is next? I, I'm going to be doing a little bit of this a lot. 
A little bit of what? Yeah, I've been doing a lot of TV, a lot yeah. of radio, a lot of a lot of a lot of things. What's Speaking the goal there? Like just telling your story and letting not, people not just my story, but just just encouraging, like planting yeah. the right seeds and you know, just talking to folks and inspiring them as much as possible. You know, give them that insight that they need. Yep. Um, I, I'm I, I'm not. It's not money driven. You know, it's just one of those things where you you want to be out there and you want to be accessible because I wish that someone had the input and was willing to give it as yep. much as possible. Yeah, it's so valuable, man. That's what I was telling you before we started. Is like, and you just want to feel valuable like you want to feel like you're create you're offering something to the world right whether it's strictly entertainment or whatever it is but like i feel like you've done so much in basketball and now i i get it like you you want to share that story and help and just feel when you go to bed at night like you're doing something worthwhile to say to say the least i i'm i'm smart enough to tell you i overachieve Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like I'm so blessed, yeah. and it comes from generations of prayer. So, like knowing that, mm-hmm. I'm not jaded. Yep. So, like I'm, I'm paying back. Yeah. I'm paying forward. I'm paying back, and I'm doing what I need to do. You know, to you know, inspire the next the next wave. Yeah. The book was huge. Yeah. The book got a lot of. I mean, just the support. Yeah. It even like I said, I'm not a huge like I'm not hugely tuned into to basketball, but it hit my radar repeatedly, not only because of Bernie and all these guys, but just everybody posting it, everyone supporting it. Like it just, I don't know, I think it reached, it felt the way that you would have wanted it to feel like to everyone, you know it what was, I mean? It, it, was, it was shocking because the the day it came out, me and my wife sitting there that morning, I'm like, you know, I always go to social media like every morning before I wake up and then I wait like hours again because I practice and I have to do my day and go back to it. So, yeah. We wake up that morning, and I was like, you know, I always go to what's trending, like first number. I was like, oh shit, like yeah, it's the book. Yeah, like, it's just it was just like it's oh insane. wow, like it was, and I just see everybody tags and you know, man, amazing book, you know, stand up guy, and you, it's it's a good feeling to feel the like the smell of the flowers. They say like why you still living? Yeah, yeah, like, yeah. Like people appreciate you and they care for you, and and that that meant a lot. Because yeah. I didn't know how people was going to feel about the book. And I sat on it for, what, three, four years, maybe? You know, I had the content of the book, and I just – I wasn't comfortable putting it out. Did you feel like – like like maybe people didn't want to hear it or like were you intimidated by like putting it out? Like I don't know if I want to tell this. It's, I, it, like I don't want to tell people how I was carrying pistols and how oh, that's what I, it was. I accidentally uh, – Shot my damn self and <laughs> yeah. how my grandmother come from a cotton field and like you you open it up it just, so much. Yeah. You know what I mean? But at the same time, it's like I was sitting back and I was just like, I wish somebody would have been like yeah. like that. And I'd be like, damn, like they they not ro like Michael Jordan, he's not a robot. Like he's he's human. Yeah, like yeah, he yeah. went through all this shit and he's on that stage in the NBA. I can do it. Yeah. Cause I didn't know. Yeah. But now, like, I think a lot of people are opening up and just telling their stories. Like, yo, I'm from the neighborhood. Shit, I used to drink quarter quarter water, yeah, quarter juices, yeah. and you know, like, I, I recycle. Shit, yep. Yep. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, <laughs> yeah, like I'm living. Yeah. Like, you know what I'm saying? I wash yeah. my shoes with Mean Green. Yeah. Like everything. Like it's just like, yeah, I'm a, I'm around in the way, dude. And I got I got blessed. Somebody showed me favor because of my talent. Yeah. And all this happened. Yeah. Did she push you to put out the book or, or? 
she I think she really liked it. Yeah. I just think it's important. I think I understand fully. I just think when somebody in your situation, for whatever reason, I, I whether it's that you don't want to feel like you're pushing your story on people or you don't want to tell the bad shit or whatever it is, it just feels a little too much. But yeah. when you do put it out, I, I can only imagine that the reaction that you got and that are still getting has to be the best feeling ever. And it's, it's like, man, that's exactly what I should have done. It's amazing. It's not even it's not even about basketball. It's it's like it's so transcending. Like it's you go places and they're not saying anything about basketball. Yeah. And not like and hey man, good game back in or they like, man, that was a hell of a book. That's yeah. We that's appreciate shit. that. Yeah. Appreciate that, homie. Like and I'm like that has to feel that's good. a good feeling, yeah. you know what I mean? Like that a hell of a book. That's also a little next level, like deeper than Yo, that one game was crazy. Yeah. Obviously, you want that. Because that's a moment. Great feedback, yeah. But that's really affecting people's lives. I mean, did did that one game keep somebody out of jail? Probably not. Your book has probably already kept Changed countless lives. people out of trouble. Absolutely. That's pretty crazy. What's the grand, if you could say, uh, fast forward to, you know, you're 80 years old, kicking back in your mansion with 12 more daughters uh and <laughs> how many <laughs> just, i like just how you said daughters because i'm yeah. definitely having girls yeah i know that's what i said you're just, you're just creating <laughs> girls left and right but did what's your what's the empire look like what's the the whole thing the legacy man you know i think i think the legacy isn't about you know anything like tangibles anything like that like i've you know, we franchise restaurants. You know, we've, you know, been ambassador t- to this amazing brand, Five Four. You know, uh, we do the real estate thing. You know, uh, we invest in a lot of different things, and it's not about like that. You want to leave that the, the kids are fine as far as that, but I want my legacy to be someone that was in that on that platform and utilize it the right way. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like a lot of people get on the the platform and just try to maximize the dollars instead of telling the stories and 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 giving the right messages out. Yeah. And I just I just want to tell I want to tell I want to be the voice of a lot of folks that don't have a voice. Yep. You know what I mean? From grassroots, like I you know we got a community center that we uh, just purchased back in Racine that we opened that was about to close because of resources, but. Because of the folks I was connected to and, and just know because of fans of the game, fans of the book, mm-hmm. you know, people was able to, you know, give resources and stuff to impact the community and bring their resources to that that community that's going to change lives forever. And yeah. that's where the real legacy lies because now you now you changing lives. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like I want to make – like. I want to change the life challenge, like the hell with the mannequin mm-hmm, challenge, like mm-hmm. fuck standing still. Like I want to do some stuff where, like, it's impactful and you know it's it's game changing. Like yeah. I want to continue to just inspire people to do different things and share their stories and you and just maximize their platform. And when I sit back when I'm 80 with my queen, like we're gonna just be like, man, yeah, just a just a young fellow from Racine, Wisconsin, that just you know just was doubted and told that he couldn't do something and look what happened yeah it's huge and just to because you didn't say it but i think you you now own multiple uh burger king locations right yeah we we still own some spots just i just love the like was that strictly because you had worked there i worked there and we you know we knew the business and you know um that was something i always wanted to do you know uh, my 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 supervisor uh jody and and um 
Daoud used to always give me a hard time, you know, for stacking the, you know, the boxes in the inventory. So I said, one day I'm going to buy one of these motherfuckers. Oh, man. man. That's so good. <laughs> it's just like the feeling, man. I, I, that's incredible. Um, blessing, man. Last thing. Uh, I call it note to self. And now all this you've been through, everything that you've learned, everything that you've seen. If you could write a letter, let's say to the 14 or 15-year-old you that's sitting in jail, right? Not knowing what, where you want to go or what you want to do or which way, whatever, what your goals are. What would you tell that young version of yourself now? I would, I would have to say, you know, when you're in that dark place, um, open a good book, turn to God. Stay determined, dedicated, and disciplined. Um, believe in you. Trust your instincts. Um, you built for this. You can do it. And, you know, just use your platform to aspire as much as possible in the future. Mm-hmm. And don't ever shy away from who you are. Because I think, I think when you come from things – you, it's like leave that there and don't talk about that no more. Don't yeah. don't represent that. Yeah. And the thing that I was able to do, I feel like I crossed over, but I still remain the same. But I feel like I was able to keep that with me, and yeah. that's why people connect with you so genuinely because it's real. So don't ever lose that. Like yeah. everything you're going through right now, keep that and bring it with you. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, there's definitely a right way and a wrong way to do it. You yeah. know what I mean? Meaning yeah. like you have to keep with you the grounding and the lessons learned and the passion and drive. I mean, you probably would have, had you been born in some great, perfect little household, you may have never had the hunger or the drive to make never. it happen, right? Never. But it's when people, I feel like, have something to prove. They make it and then they have something to prove. Like, I'm still that guy. I'm still yeah. from the streets. I'm still tough. Nah, and you start getting into trouble and it's go. like, you were out of that. Why are you, you know what I mean? Yeah, that, that's not the way you want to go. But what I mean is staying true to yourself, staying true to what what your foundation yeah, is built yeah, yeah. on. No, I agree. And then bringing that and and sharing that to the world because, you know, people need to know these stories. Mm-hmm. People need to hear that you can make it out of those situations. Like I'm I'm such a strong believer, and I always said it, and I said it numerous times in this this interview is that seeing is believing. Mm-hmm. Like if I see something, and I can touch something, and it looks familiar. I can be that. When people used to come talk to me at like assemblies, McGruff the Dog, their, you know, all these different programs and stuff like that, and they tell me like, you can be anything you want to be, talking points. I'm like, what the fuck? Shut up. Yeah. Where you stay at? Yeah. Yeah. Like, I stay in the suburbs off of Four Mile. Well, motherfucker, do you know what I seen when I jumped off the porch today? Yeah. Like, a loose dog, I jumped on the car, I missed my bus. Well, shit, uh, Jimmy the Cricket was over here with a, uh, an ounce of weed. Mm-hmm. He tried to serve me, tell me don't go to school. Like this, like this is the type of shit you see every day. Yeah, just trying to go to school. It's like all the shit that you can do wrong. Yeah, you know what I mean. Like this yep. is what I'm exposed to. So like when I'm exposed to something totally different, like so all I gotta do is play basketball, and then they gonna give me shoes, mm-hmm. and then they gonna pay me to wear them. Yeah, yeah. like th- really? Yeah. So I go to school. Stop playing, man. Mm-hmm. Like that, like that's. It's a new world. Like yeah. it's a like so if you expose a kid to different things like that, it's no limit. Yeah. And I think that's what it's all about. Amazing. I think that's a great place to end it. Um anything anything you wanna sh- tell people the book 
any social media, any do that part. All right. So yeah, um, you can purchase the book Tough Juice hard hard copy paperback on Amazon.com. You also get it at any Walmart store, Target, and uh, follow me on Twitter at Real Tough Juice, Instagram at Karan Butler. Um, follow any of our business dealings but at Butler Group Homes, and thanks for tuning in. There it is. Thank you so much yeah. for doing this, man. You killed it. I appreciate it. There we go. All right, there it was. I hope you enjoyed it. Uh, once again, leave me some feedback. Let me know what you thought on the iTunes Store podcast app. Um, I'm still going to do these call-ins. I know last week I talked about doing call-ins. Um, it's just a little too random to post it on social media and say, call me. There's a lot of weird shit that comes in. So I'm probably going to do an email um, where you can email in sort of your question and I'll give you the call-in number and we can actually have real conversations with people trying to start businesses. And I want this to be informative, not just jokey. You know what I mean? I'd like to sit and actually talk to people about starting businesses and any advice that I can give and troubles that they're having and maybe things that everyone can relate to. So stay tuned for that. Um, thank you guys for all those questions. Once again, promo code SSL on youngandreckless.com gets you 50% off all regular priced items. And that's it. I'll be back next week. Thank you guys. Thank you guys. Thank you.